Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 177 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop here, joined this evening by the great Michael Garrell. First of all, Mike, how you doing tonight? Not bad, not bad. Uh, a little bit chaotic around here, but uh, oh, uh, just fine, as you would say. Well, happy to have you here tonight, Mike, and uh, looking forward to chatting some CFL here with you this evening. And joining us also is the great Adam Stewart. Uh, matching brown shirts here for Adam and I tonight, twinning Monday. I don't think that quite uh, has the, the right rhyme to it. or uh, Well, I guess it's not a rhyme anyways. Uh, but anyways, Adam's here. How are you doing tonight, Adam? Well, I think I've recovered enough to talk some CFL after uh, Friday, but we'll find out pretty soon, I think. Uh, yeah, no, I guess all right. Yeah, Adam has had a rough weekend of all things football. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan, Cleveland Browns fan. I uh, figured we'd wear the brown shirts to memorialize uh, this weekend in football for you. But uh, hopefully you get some fun out of it by talking about everything from the CFL here today as well. Uh, of course, we are live on a variety of different platforms, all thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more by visiting uh, watch.gametimetv.ca or by following on Facebook at facebook.com slash gametimetvmb. We'll be taking your comments, we'll be taking your questions in the live chat throughout the night. See Trey is joining us in the chat here as well. Uh, and uh, we're going to recap everything from week number 15 in the CFL. Three games this past weekend. We'll touch on the major storylines. We'll uh, recap our fantasy and betting results, give our players of the week, and update our power rankings here tonight as well. But before we go any further, as always, I do want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojakree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Before we get into things, we'd also like to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast, and that's Betstamp. There are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices on the same games. How do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, Betstamp provides you all of that info by simply uh, allowing you to pull up a, a game, a CFL game, MLB, NBA, NFL, anything you want. Most sports, they're all there. Uh, you can pull up the game on the app, see the odds offered by each of their different sportsbook affiliates, and it helps you place the bet that will maximize the return for the pick you're making. And if you find some odds you like, you can sign up at the corresponding site through the Betstamp bet link page, link your accounts to the app, and tra easily track the wagers you're making. If you want extra insight before you place your wagers, check out the commission-free Betstamp Marketplace, where you can see the bets that others have placed, and through their verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that the odds uh, others have picked are verified and legitimate. You can find our consensus CFL picks every week there. Uh, under the username CF Countdown Pod. you can also see Trey's individual picks trade cf countdown uh, visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store sign up with referral code cfc to start using betstamp free today best of luck with your wagers and remember always bet responsibly do not bet the farm well let's get into talking about the games from this past weekend and it starts off with one uh that's near and dear to a certain member of our podcast hearts and that's the saskatchewan rough riders 
hosting the Edmonton Elks on, I believe, the Friday night game, uh, the lights out game in Saskatchewan for this one. And, uh, well, it was uh, lights out on them uh, at some point here, right at the end of the game, as they do fall, the Riders do, 24 to 26 to the Edmonton Elks. Uh, let's go to you here first, Adam. Your initial reaction on, on, on this game. Remember back in the last game that uh, Edmonton and Saskatchewan played right after it, I was upset because the Saskatchewan Rough Riders proved again and again that they have absolutely positively no offensive line whatsoever. Guess what I'm doing tonight? I am going to start ranting on the offensive line again. Eight sacks. Seven pass knockdowns. Fajardo was just scared out of the pocket. And you could say whatever you want. I've read the news. Cody Fajardo saying, oh, it felt like everybody was against us and uh, that we don't appreciate getting booed and everything. Saskatchewan has had enough. This offensive line is not good enough to play CJFL football right now, let alone CFL football. This has been an absolute atrocity. And it's holding back a very good, I think, Saskatchewan football team. Has it been all Cody Fajardo? No. But has a lot of this been because of offensive line and getting no assistance? Yes. That being said, the last two weeks now, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have not played anywhere near as good as their defense should play as well. Their defense is terrible. Mike is smiling because he knows I'm going to tear the Riders apart. The defense has been gruesome. Only one sack on a guy that has pretty much put in a patch meal offensive line also for most of his season. I mean, come on. The other thing also that's embarrassing is Taylor Cornelius is not knowing as a running quarterback and he had an amazing running game. The guy had what? 237 yards passing, had a uh, rushing yardage of 93 yards what are we doing in Saskatchewan right now? Kevin Brown, the same thing as well, over 100 yards rushing for a guy that's only been in the league for three games. I am still not... Trey, I know you put down that you said you believed that Saskatchewan was going to win the Cup this year. I did too. I thought that this was a team that could bring it together. You know what? I don't see anything being brought together anymore. I see a lot of things get ripped apart. and. Yes, likely Dan Clark is back in two weeks after the buy here. I don't see it being any help anymore. Uh, this team is just not good enough. It It's as simple as that. Uh, Mike? I'm floored because I agree with 95% of what you're saying. Um, the other 5% of me says they're in the playoff spot. Um yeah, I'll be a player. In, in all honesty, Mike, though, Mike, two games. You got one against Hamilton right now. Hamilton, well, we'll talk about them in a few minutes, but let's face it. If Hamilton gets anywhere near on uh, even lukewarm, the Riders are out of the playoffs. I guess, like, to me, and you can be critical all you want, and that's okay. Um, but just to talk about Hamilton for a minute, I, I, I know that's kind of where you went. I'm not sure that, you know, 
Hamilton is as good as they played if you look at the fourth quarter. We'll get to that in a minute. But you know what? The old adage, you got to be in the playoffs to have a chance to win. And as long as you lace up for a playoff game, you have a chance to win. Now, your confidence is probably at an all-time low uh, for most of, you know, Ryder Nation. But uh, I just can't fathom that this team started 4-1, and one, and this is where we are. Um, they're, what, 2-7 and seven since then? I think that's where the, where the stats. Uh, worst record in the lead, worse than Edmonton, and worse than a couple other teams. And you're hosting the Great Cup, floored, absolutely floored. I thought the Riders would be challenging for first place if the first five games were any indication, but I I I hate to say this, they're going to make the playoffs because I don't see anybody in the East getting three more wins than the Riders. However, my mind might change depending on what comes out of the bye in that first game against Winnipeg. Now, that'll be against the snarly Winnipeg team for for obvious reasons, but we'll discuss in a little bit. But as much as things are broken right now, that defense we've seen can put it together, that offense can put it together. We're talking about a few mistakes difference in winning the game. Was it not pretty? Yeah, but you kind of saw this loss coming the way it was kind of building the last little while, too. So I see it both ways. They're probably going to make the playoffs as the crossover, and anything can happen. But the optimism meter is at a 1 out of 10 for most. And Edmonton is just spoiling team seasons, and you can't fire management in season. Um in Saskatchewan. Um, there's a smoking gun about to go off in Saskatchewan. And I'm very curious to see who the fall guy is if they don't make it anywhere in the playoffs. I'll, I'll say it this way, though, Mike. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Saskatchewan has the number one team in the league, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, next week. Oh, not next week, the week after, I suppose. Then you get the Calgary Stampeders two times who are fighting – tooth and nail with the BC Lions uh, for second and third right now in the West. So they're going to come in guns a blazing. Then you've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who's also fighting for their playoff lives. Saskatchewan had an opportunity this week to put out the Edmonton. They just could not get anywhere near playing to the competition this week. This game should have been a blowout. The amount of penalties that the Edmonton Elks took, I believe it was 148, was it not, or 145? There is no reason that you should lose a game by two, by any means, to a team like Edmonton when you take a, when they take 145 yards of penalties. They practically handed you a football field and a half and said, here, go and score something. Riders couldn't do it. Either Fashardo was holding on to the ball for dear life because he was worried about getting sacked, which they had eight of those Edmonton. Either Frankie Hickson, who had 10 carries, also had only 14 yards, could not get the running game going. Again, a lot of things point to the offensive line. 
I am tired of dealing with saying the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders offensive line is terrible, but it is gruesome. There's a few other words I'd like to use, but I don't want to have to edit them out afterwards. So what I'm looking at here right now is just a team that looks defeated, plain and simple. They don't look like a team that's going in and getting ready to prepare themselves for a good long playoff run. They look like a team that has given up, essentially. And it sucks right now for Saskatchewan fans. They're upset. They're angry. I am. I know I am right now about these games. And what do you do? I mean, I don't want to go and have to throw our quarterback under a bus because I don't think he's immediately the problem. He's some of the problem. Don't get me wrong. But the whole team has got an issue right now. Again, we rely on our defense heavily in Saskatchewan. This week, there was no defense in Saskatchewan. Uh, one or two nice little plays there by uh, one I think was from Derek Moncrief. And then I think uh, Nick Marshall had a couple of key knockdowns. Other than that, there, there is nothing there. Even Brett Lowther, how many times have you seen uh, a doink off the upright from Brett Lowther? He, he doesn't do that. We got the so, double. We got the double doink in this one, though, right? I think if we got the triple doink in Saskatchewan, we get a free uh, uh, what do you call uh, ice cream cone from Dairy Queen across the road. But Ooh. we only got one, so our two. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't have too much to add on the riders' side of things here myself. Uh, beyond what you guys have said, I mean, yeah, it was uh, it was a dismal effort for most of this game. They made it close, real close, right at the end there. Right, they almost uh, they had a real good drive of their own, but left too much time left on the clock uh, at the end of the game there. Yeah, it's looking bleak for Saskatchewan right now. But then what are we going to be talking about? Let's say two weeks from now, uh, Saskatchewan comes out and they beat the Bombers or all of a sudden they beat Calgary in one of those matchups. Then Raider, we're probably honestly spinning it right back around in a couple of weeks. And that's how fickle the CFL is that then we're talking about case Saskatchewan's in the driver's spot for that East division playoff. And then it's two wins to get home to the Grey Cup at home potentially. And they seem to play better on the road. So if they're going out on the road for a couple of games there, Maybe maybe that's something for them. But I want to talk about Edmonton here because much as we can talk about how much this game sucked for Saskatchewan for the most part, kudos to Edmonton. Kudos to that defensive line, all those sacks uh, they put up, holding Frankie Hickson, who's been one of the brightest, uh, you know, up-and-coming running backs this season to, like you said, 10 carries for 14 yards was, was a surprising total there. And the offense... Taylor Cornelius signed a two-year contract extension, and we talked about on Wednesday that he needs to go and, uh, you know, prove that it was worth it. Yeah, he did it pretty early on in the game with, what was it, a 56-yard carry, I believe, for one uh, Taylor Cornelius. Like you said, Adam, he doesn't normally run a ton. He's getting more in that direction, but he ran a lot in this one, almost 100 yards and a touchdown for him. I mean, they had over 200 yards rushing on the day between him and Kevin Brown. When have the Elks ever come close to 200 yards rushing in the last two and a in the last season and a half, right? Like, yeah, James Wilder Jr. had some good games. Walter Fletcher did, sure, but Kevin Brown has integrated himself, still listed as the backup on the depth chart, but he's the number one starter, clearly, because he's now the leading rusher on the season and he's played three games. He's played three games for the Elks and he's their leading rusher on the season. Well, actually, Taylor Cornelius might actually be the leading rusher, but I like these bright spots I've seen from the Elks these past couple of weeks. They're not going to make the playoffs. It's not happening this year. 
but you can kind of see that Chris Jones rebuild starting for year two. And uh, I want to know what they're going to do in the off season to, to work with that because they've got good pieces. Kevin Brown's a good piece. Taylor Cornelius, I think is a good piece. Dylan Mitchell, boom, long touchdown, fourth straight week for him. Right. So I, uh, Christian Salisbury even looked real good on the return game and they almost had a, a return, a long return there that ended up getting called back by a penalty. So uh, yeah, I, I'm high on what I've seen from the Elks lately because I, I kind of thought they were going to get in this routine all season, right? Uh, is slow start to the year. Chris Jones is going to do his madhouse, you know, shuffle the lineup every single game. Now he kind of put a consistent lineup together and he's getting results. And maybe it was just, you know, throw everything at the wall, find out what maybe sticks, and then we'll roll with that in the second half of the season. So I don't know. I'm impressed by this game from the Elks. Uh, you guys got anything to add here on Edmonton, uh, Mike? Uh, just the, the Taylor Cornelius extension. I know you guys may have touched on that on a previous show. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but uh, I haven't been around in the last little while. Uh, I like that. Um, the extension for Canaris, I think two years in length. Uh, it does, to me, establish that he's the number one uh, guy, at least on the depth chart. And then I have yet to see what the salaries look like. Um, but I think it just goes to show that we can't write a guy off after year one. Um, you know, we were ready to say that Taylor Canaris needs to be released. Well, you know, come back to second year, and he looked like a more improved quarterback, a more uh, complete quarterback. And I would probably put him not near the bottom of lead starters of late if you take the sample size of maybe the last four or five weeks. But you know what? This is it. One building block uh, at a time here. And... You know, you have the running back. You have a couple of receivers in place. Uh, Mitchell had a nice uh, long one uh, again. Um, you know, you can, you can start to kind of see it. There's, there's tear it down to the stud and then start to kind of build and use those pieces for next year and bring in more pieces. Uh, so I, I'm curious what happened. I'm also terrified to play them uh, going forward. but. I also want to know how much of an accurate to pitch in is this a via Edmonton else, right? Or was it the Riders playing down to their level and two bad teams and, you know, one team scratching out a scratching out a, a two-point win out? You know, we saw what happened when Edmonton played Calgary. We saw what happened when Edmonton played Winnipeg. We've seen what happened when Edmonton played BC, right? So I think we've established that they're not the worst team in the league, but there's still a ways to go to take that next step. And I think that's exciting. Um, that's the exciting prospect for Edmonton Alts football uh, going forward. One name I think we got to keep in mind, and Chris Jones always gets some of these names. Uh, Jake Ceresna uh, had two sacks on Cody Vajardo, including the last one at the end of the game there. Just looked absolutely dominant against that Saskatchewan O-line. Again, it, it, I got to put an asterisk behind that. It is a Saskatchewan offensive line. But you know what? Kudos to the Edmonton Elks. This looks like a game that they might have circled on their calendar a long time ago. Shirtland sure Chris Jones did after that fist pump and celebration after the game was over. I think he was excited about this game. But uh, no, this might be one of those games I think that eventually you're going to turn back to and say that was the game that uh, 
Dylan Mitchell came out and all starred for the for the Edmonton Elks. This was Taylor Cornelius's sort of coming out party a little bit uh, to show him that he's really strong uh, at quarterback. Same thing with the run game that you're going to look at a guy like Kevin Brown and say, remember that game against a really good Saskatchewan defense that he ran the ball 108 yards on uh, during the game. So I think that you're going to see uh, the Edmonton Elks use this as a game to show their teams next year that this is what we expect out of the Edmonton Elks. And by the way, we should really try doing this at home one time instead of just in Saskatchewan and on the road, I guess. Uh, but no, everybody in this game was uh, for the for the Edmonton Elks looked very like it was a very promising game. Didn't do a lot of turnovers, no t- interceptions in this game. A couple of fumbles, but most of those bounced the right way, which was incredible how many bounce fumbles uh, the Riders knocked out, but uh, couldn't end up recovering them. Overall, the Edmonton Elks played a great game here. And remember, they're dealing with key injuries as well. Uh, you certainly have Emmanuel Arsenal hurt right now. You've got also uh, uh, Kenny Lawler hurt. So you don't have your big guns in there yet. You're still making a lot of good passing yards. And as Ryan smiling there and saying, you got to pick up more guys for fantasy out of Edmonton. I, I can't argue with them. They're, they are a very good team right now uh, and look to probably be a little bit of a spoiler going ahead uh, later on this year. Uh, I like how Trey mentioned in the chat. Yeah, it gives them a quarterback until the Rourke Jr. draft year. Yeah, Curtis Rourke's going to be a hot commodity. I'm surprised that, uh, you know, uh, Ford was back in the lineup as backup quarterback here today for this game for the Elks. I'm surprised we actually didn't really see him at all. Uh, but, you know, uh, what role was he going to take that Cornelius didn't fill with his running and passing ability in that one? So, uh, yeah, good game for the Elks here. They pull out the win. They keep their playoff hopes alive uh, for now at least, uh, and a rough game here for one Adam Stewart and Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But let's move on to a game that I think maybe made you a little bit more happy. The rest of us in here, not so much. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers falling to the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Hall of Fame game, 31-48. to 48. Uh, We interrupt this segment to bring you a live interview with, uh, you know, somebody, because that was the theme of the game, is every two minutes somebody uh, popped in to uh to do an interview and i know it's the hall of fame game and i know it's hall of famers and you want to give them their moment in that game but couldn't we have found some other way to do it i hate in-game interviews at least it wasn't the halftime show act that knows nothing about football but when you miss uh when you miss you know a big play touchdown in a game and it gets called five minutes later because you're busy chatting with somebody who has no investment in the game itself not a fan of that don't like that but uh Let's talk about the game itself here, guys. Uh, Winnipeg 31, Hamilton 48. Uh, wow, shocking game for sure. Winnipeg was seven and a half point favorites coming into the game. Uh, I think all three of us on the preview show took that. We expected Winnipeg to dominate this game. And very, very early on, it was the entire other direction. And the game story has to be one Dane Evans coming back into the starting lineup here for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, a guy who is facing the team that in like two of his first nine starts beat him in a Grey Cup, clearly had shaken confidence, clearly has nightmares still, I would imagine, of facing that Bombers defense, has had a really rough year this year. Like Dane Evans has had a down season. He just hasn't played at that level that Hamilton expected when they brought him in. 
and chose him over Jeremiah Mazzoli as their starter coming to this year. And then he comes out of the bye week this week, throws 327 yards and five touchdowns. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what a bizarre stat line. And I'm so flipping happy for Dane Evans to see him uh, be able to come out here, put up a good game together, and and say in the post-game interview that, yeah, this is the, this is the best he's felt in a while. So uh, I know we're going to get into the bad of Winnipeg here, but let's start off with talking about the good of the tie cats here. Uh, let's go to you here first, Mike. Uh, what, what do you have here on this surprising effort by Hamilton? I like it, but the question is the follow-up. I'm willing to give Hamilton credit, but I'm not willing to give them all that credit because what happened the last time the Bombers went on a bye week? They lost. How did they respond? They came back to win. How did they play in the second half? Looked pretty darn good to me. Just ran out of some time uh, as well. That being said, not too particularly worried yet about the Bombers, but Hamilton. (sighs) I don't know what to say. Just because I've been so down on them for the last number of weeks, and then they pulled this off, which doesn't make a lot of sense because it's almost like it comes out of nowhere. Um, to me, this is the Hamilton Tiger Cats that I expected to see all year. And it finally showed up. The question is, is it sustainable? I'm not sure. Um, you know, just like when those bomber teams struggled and were five and thirteen and four and twelve, one or two games a year they would pull off an eye popping victory that nobody saw coming. So, I respect what Hamilton has done. I respect what they try to do, but they need to follow it up. They're in the discussion now for setting in the East, but they need to follow it up. Um, you know, to me, Dane Evans is very turnover prone. Uh, he led the lead in turnovers, uh, coming in, uh, as a quarterback did not turn the ball over. Uh, the Bombers to me made a roster mistake, not dressing a lot of D linemen. They had Justin Jeffco go out early and that took away their pass rush. Um, because to me, Dane Evans was not touched the whole game, uh, let alone for one or two opportunities. And when you have a back end of the defense with no pass rush and the quarterback has all they want to throw, I don't know what kind of other result you expected. And, hey, it's nice to see a running game in Hamilton. It's almost like... They had this preconceived notion that they were going to come out and do this, and then they did it backwards. In baseball, there's a saying, you pitch the guy backwards when he knows what's coming and you throw him something else. It's almost like the Hamilton played this game backwards. Uh, 10-10 in the first quarter, bunch of turnovers. Okay, two turnovers end up in your end zone. It's going to happen. Not concerned yet uh, on the Bombers. For Hamilton, I need to see a follow-up. I know that was a long rant, but uh, that's the way I see it. How about you, Adam? Well, two things. One, 
Winnipeg, you had one job. You're supposed to beat the Ticats so that my riders had a chance to get in the crossover. Come on. Well, anyway. in fairness, just to jump in, the riders had one job too and didn't do it. So that's fair. But that's that's a different story. We like blaming the bombers for everything. So anyway, uh the thing I want to say on this game is one of two things. One, Hamilton, Dane Evans, take a bow. 327 yards, 78.1% completion percentage, and five touchdowns to no interceptions. Just had an amazing game. You look at the whole, it was done by committee as well. Uh, Tim White has two touchdowns. Uh, if I'm not mistaken here, uh, Kyandre Smith, oh, you got a touchdown. Stephen Dunbar, another touchdown, but 66 yards, 63 yards, 54 yards. They were spreading the ball around very, very well for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, which hasn't been done almost all year. Also, uh, Hills got, I think, 54 yards and on 10 carries. Good job on him. Same thing. Good all-around job by the Hamilton Tiger Cats offense. The O-line gave them a little bit of time. They ended up winning a very good game here. And Trey over in the comments is saying Hamilton's taking third as his Trey's hot take of the day. We'll see about that. I think, unfortunately, you may be right. But we'll we'll talk later. Anyway, uh, on the other side of the football, though, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know, Mike says he's not concerned yet. I'll tell you what, there is a trend in Winnipeg on two things. One, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, you got to play those games. You can't go and let off on a foot of a very good team. If you end up playing the Calgary Stampeders, they will not back off on those second and third quarters. You look at the Bombers, the first quarter and the second quarter, that first half, they sometimes are a little suspect. Now again, they're, Mike's probably going to tell me, well, look at what we did to the Riders. Take the riders out of the equation. They have had a lot of slow starts in Winnipeg. Hopefully this isn't a trend. Uh, the other thing also is, is the concern of health of Jackson Jeffcoat. Hopefully he's good to go by playoffs because otherwise that's a huge loss on the one side of the Winnipeg's defense. And you've seen what Hamilton did to him when that happened. It was just not pretty for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, the other part that I want to bring up also, though, is Winnipeg is starting to get a little banged up, and it's a good thing they're going to a bye week. Again, no Greg Ellingson this week, so you were relying on guys like Greg McRae, and also you were trying to rely over on uh, uh, Brendan O'Leary-Orange, a new guy that's just kind of played, I think, what, two games, I think, with Winnipeg so far this year, maybe three. Uh, so he hasn't had a whole lot of time, although he did have some good yards, 72 yards and uh, 19 yards after catch. Not overly bad, uh, but Dalton showed again, Trey's pick of the week uh, pretty much every week because he always picks them on fantasy, and there's a reason behind it. Six receptions, 10 on 10 attempts, 158 yards, and a 47-yard long uh, catch. Just again, guy that just when you get the ball in his hand can really, really do a very good job uh, making those plays when he has to. Uh, overall, though, I still see that trend. Hopefully Winnipeg is going to work on that during the bye week of getting off fast and getting going. Uh, I'm certain that Mike O'Shea will have that fixed before the playoffs. I hope he does because that could be Winnipeg's downfall. The second thing I wanted to bring up, though, with the Blue Bombers was defense. Richie Hall, come on. Stop doing the bend, and break, bend but not breaky defense. I know that's your, that's your motto, but you've got guys that can do man coverage. You've got a guy like uh, Adam Big Hill in the backfield. Yeah, Brandon Alexander back. 
you can do such things as go on to man on man and have a good cover, probably end up getting a couple more interceptions, maybe even a couple more tips. You never know what could happen. But running that football uh, over on zone is just not working for you guys. You're letting way too many yards being gained on you way on the inside. I know you don't want to let up the big ball, but this defense is starting to look a little suspect, uh, especially over in the secondary because they're letting too many yards get in between them. I know that uh, Trey was bringing this up before, I think, uh, in when he was talking, but I just don't know about uh, Richie Hall's defense. And you know what? Everybody has said this for millions of years and said Richie Hall shouldn't be a defensive coordinator, and then he wins the Grey Cup. So, you know what? To me, it's it's a little bit of coaching, but I think he's always had the right intention. Just don't let in that big score. Uh, let them have a field goal if they have to, but don't let them have a score. So, you know what? I I just am getting a little more concerned every week with that, that they're letting a little bit too much into on zone defense. Ryan, what about this game for you? I mean, this game proved exactly what I've been saying about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers all season long. They are, what is it, the sloppiest 12-2 and two football team now I've ever seen? Like, it's the same thing, It's but just change the record every week. Like, the, everything... Like Mike and I got into a bit of a war of words here in our group chat over this game during the week, uh, I think, because, uh, yeah, I was harsh on them. But I'm not changing my stance anything from what I've said all season long about this team, which is that I, yeah, sure, impressive, 12 wins on the season. That's always going to be impressive. But I see a lot of flaws in this team that can't be denied, which are a lot of things Adam just mentioned here already, like, the defense got nothing done against Dane Evans, a guy they should have been able to eat up, uh, right, based on recent track record. And I think, you know, everybody sees the names and knows the names, Willie Jefferson, Jackson, Jeffcoat, et cetera, et cetera. And you expect, you know, big things from that defense. They really haven't had any monstrous games. Maybe that one against the Riders, but they really haven't. We haven't seen that defensive line play to the same level. Uh, the defensive, you know, backfield, the, the pass defense, that zone defense. Yeah. Uh, Swiss cheese, right? Like that they're giving up yards and yards and sure they get the stop here and there, but that's, it's just not happening for them. I think Zach Caleros as good as he's looked at times this season has had some untimely turnovers. That's the two losses right now. Two of the key plays in those games have been Zach Claro's fumbles, right? The one against Montreal that went back, I think, for a touchdown. Or no, that one was just a turnover. And this one was one for, for Hamilton here. So, yeah, I see some things from the, the this Bombers team where last week they finally played their record uh, the way that I expect from their record. This week, once again, I, I, I saw it back to playing as a sloppy football team. And I'll tell you this, I'm still not, I'm still sticking close to my preseason predictions of a Calgary-Toronto Grey Cup this year. Sure, Winnipeg should go on to host the West Final, although BC is only one loss, only has one more loss on the season. Um, Winnipeg should go on to host the West Final, but I'm not picking them to win the Grey Cup this year because I don't trust the team based on the sloppiness right now. Like, I, I'm not overly confident until they start dominating football games here down the stretch. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, Mike, tell me why I'm wrong. Can I just, I, I don't a lot to, to uh, say to that. And by the way, we did have a quite lively discussion. Uh, I respect your point, but I don't agree with it. And that's fine. Uh, 
But here's the thing, guys. What do we say to this 12 and 2 record? Is it sleepwalking through 12 and 2? To, but to me, I had a lot less confidence in the Bombers last year rolling through their opponents than I do this year. And this team, Adam, that look is just throwing me right off. Oh, man. But in, on, on a funny note, um, I do believe that if there was something to be worked on, this would be it. Um, also, the Bombers' two losses right before a bye week. I'm not willing to concede the notion that the problems aren't going to prevent them from getting to the ultimate goal, which is the Grey Cup and winning the Grey Cup. I'm just saying uh, that they are 12-2. and two. They are two losses off of a bye week. Their problems compared to other teams are mitigated, and the record speaks for itself. The Bombers can, are one of those teams that can play good and get away with a lot because they take less penalties than the opposition on a given day. When the opposition gives you an extra football field a game, generally that's an extra touchdown. How many close games have the Bombers won by in and around a touchdown? Quite a bit. But guys, this is a team that knows how to turn it on when all was said and done. Realistically, did I think they would be in first place this year? Absolutely not. Because you won two great cups, generally you're due for a regression. Might I add, a lot of injuries in the secondary. They have guys that are moving around and guys playing where they shouldn't be, and Brandon Alexander getting back in. This is a Bomber team performing above expectation, largely because of the offense being as good as they are, a run game that has materialized in the last month, and a defense that forces turnovers this last game notwithstanding. Is it all, let's tear the house apart and build a new house in the next two weeks leading up to the playoffs? No. Am I denying that there's problems? No. Do I wish to see those problems? Well, that's debatable depending on depending on who you ask. I'm just enjoying this ride because I know that when we lose the West Final, if and when we do, we won't have any regrets based on the two, almost three-year run that this football team's on. And you know what? This Bomber team's given me more joy in the last two years than they have in the last, oh, 20-something years of my life. So, you know what? We're allowed to pit on the team. We're allowed to nitpick. Um, this is a team that after the game knew exactly what the problems were. Uh, this would be a team that I do not have a lot of problems with. However, my level of concern meter rises if we start to see the same thing against Saskatchewan. The other thing is those two losses coming into a bye week, I don't know about you, but football is a long grind, just like the hockey season. 
And when I know that there's a few weeks of vacation coming up, the last two games aren't really me, if I'm being entirely honest. So there's, you know, to look forward to something like that. Um, whether you like it or not, it it uh, it feeds into the mindset of a player. And guys, this is the worst game of the year for the Bombers. I can see that. But that football team in the second half just about did a miracle combat were it not for some uh, heroics there on the last drive would have had a chance. Uh, a chance is only dead if you did a chance, right? But you're 12-2. It took the game 14 to get your worst game of the season. I'm willing to give this team a pass, and let's see what the bye week does as far as refreshing dies and uh, coming back. Cause I know they've got a couple of big teams coming out of the bye, uh, particularly BC. There's two games. There's one with Edmonton, uh, one with Saskatchewan, and then I believe that's it. Uh, that was the last game with the Eastern opponent uh, this year, thankfully. Um, as well so long story short am i worried kind of am i worried about residual effects no because everybody reacted the same way going into the first five. Oh, a lot of questions about mark lideal mark lideal that mark lideal that two two in the game since they've they've quieted the credits i'm willing to give them one bad game out of 14. and besides if you had nothing to work on and you were a perfect football team Find me one. Uh, this, is the, this is the type of performance that will motivate a team going forward. Uh, and I'm really curious how this team responds. Do I think they're better than Calgary and BC? Eh, debatable, depending on. But you got to win first to get to Winnipeg. And then we'll worry about that if the Bombers are fortunate enough uh, to finish in first place. But again, veteran teams know how to win when it counts. And that's what I'm resting on uh, right now until proven otherwise. Uh, Adam, you're 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 the impartial third party here. You're not a fan of this team, uh, although you did declare your love for them on the podcast last week. Uh, what do you I'll think? Never talk to that podcast again. <laughs> what do, What do you think of these arguments here between Mike and I? Uh, which side are you on here about this team? Do you have concerns about the team, or do you think this is a one-off bad performance? You know what? I, I agree personally with both of you, but I'm going to drop a few stats right now that are very interesting. Sacks made this season. This was Winnipeg's bread and butter to a year ago. You had Willie Jefferson, Jeff Jackson, Jeff Code, and Tad Hansen just running wreck shot over almost any offensive line. Last year, number one in the league. They had made the most sacks. This year, second last in the league only behind the Toronto are above the Toronto Argonauts in sacks, which is kind of surprising in its own way. And 29 sacks right now for the Winnipeg blue bombers, which is kind of concerning because that means your quarterback uh, opposition quarterback is getting those moments to make some passes or make some plays. And that got to be a very big concern going ahead for the Winnipeg blue bombers. Another thing that really kind of surprised me when I was taking a look at this, Winnipeg is second to last on allowing first down yardage. Uh, they are at uh, roughly about uh, on for, uh, usually about 164 yards per game 
on first down, which, you know, if you're giving guys lots of yards on first down, you're not going to do so well. And that could be a very good concern for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, Mike did make some good points. You know what? It's a bye week. It's it, the guys do probably look at it and say, I'm going home right away. I can rest. I can get healthy. Winnipeg, like I said before, is kind of banged up with Tad Hansen. I'm sure that, uh, well, again, he's been rolling in and out is Jackson Jeff coat out of the lineup. So he's been hurt. So you've got some of that, but you know what? I, I still have a lot of concern going ahead with the Winnipeg blue bombers because you look at those stats. Those are over to 14 games in total. They haven't done anywhere near what they used to do in the defense. Again, offense hides and good offense hides a lot of uh, problems. Ask Saskatchewan. We can tell you all about defense hiding a lot of problems for the offense. When it all breaks down, you got to have a complete team. As Trey said in the chat, if you look at an NFL team right now, the Buffalo Bills are probably that complete team right now in the NFL. They haven't had very many injuries, so we'll see what happens later on down the road. But here's my thing. If the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a veteran team and they can get this defense going again and Jeff Coke can get back to it, Willie Jefferson can get back to it. He has not had a great season overall. Yes, he's made some uh, rushes and everything, but he hasn't had the sacks like he used to. If they can get all that going, Adam Big Hill can start pulling stunts, coming in and making some individual plays, even on uh, run defense on uh, uh, man. I think that probably you'll be okay, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And who knows? You got one game against one team, uh, possibly to go to the Great Cup and right now. The way it's looking like for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. If, yep. if, if just sorry to cut in here, if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and you play night and day dread, and you have a one-game playoff with them, the Great Cup, and you trap the bad, you stood at the same result as mediocre one-game playoff. You play really well, you get in. So. Well, but what I'm concerned about is you let a team that is absolutely looking terrible this year just walk walk off and essentially dominate you for three quarters. That I don't like seeing. I don't care what team it is, if it's Hamilton, if it's Ottawa, even if it's the Rough Riders, you, you shouldn't let a bad team get a big, big lead on you. Uh, that being said, yes, Winnipeg can get this going, and it was a bye week and there's other things for it. You can make up a few reasons on it, but again, in the long run, you only get one game and against a pretty good team uh, that has gone on that let's face it, the West, the second and third place teams in the West traditionally end up going to the gray cup. So Winnipeg was an exception last year. They were in first, they went to the gray cup. Saskatchewan was in first the year before and have beaten losing to a number three Winnipeg. That's it's quite common to see the second and third place team have the momentum and get into the playoffs. You don't want to go in losing to a team like Hamilton. Uh, 31 to 48. You've got to be able to beat those teams that are weaker than you and beat them pretty soundly like they did against Saskatchewan the week before. Well, and whether we agree or disagree, all of us on uh, the state of the Bombers, there's no doubt two teams that are going to have a lot to say about whether they make it to the Great Cup are the BC Lions and the Calgary Stampeders who played a fantastic entertaining football game uh, man every time these two teams play each other it's fun you know these three teams in general top three in the west all games between them have been exciting this year this one was no different the lions pull out the 31 to 29 victory over the stampeders in a game that went to overtime and they pulled it out in extra time here and uh first game in a beast well first game as a starter in a bc uniform 
for Vernon Adams Jr., who goes uh, 78% completion percentage, 294 yards, didn't throw a touchdown, didn't throw an interception. Uh, the uh, the Lions offense uh, the, exploded. Calgary's offense exploded. This was a high-scoring game. It was a lot of game. Uh, uh, yes, it was a lot of – it technically was a lot of game because it was more game than we normally get. Uh, but it was a lot of scoring in this game. The game maybe got a little bit nasty. We had some reports after the game coming out of an altercation between uh, a couple members uh, of these football clubs. Now they play each other again next week. So we're in, we're in for an interesting matchup in week number 16, but uh, two teams fighting for right now, that second spot in the West division. BC comes out on top in this one and takes the season series, which could be key. Uh, let's go to you first here, Adam. Uh, what was your major takeaway from this one? Uh, Trey in the comments went and put on there that they missed an opportunity to make this game a pay-per-view, including the parking lot brawl afterwards. Uh, if you're not sure what I'm talking about, apparently there was some altercation between uh, Lucky Whitehead of the BC Lions and Cam Judge of the Calgary Stampeders, both of which Played a decent game overall, so it's quite surprising that those two were at it. Uh, followed by the uh, Winnipeg or the BC Lions going over to visit the Calgary Stampeders locker room, and uh, yeah, that's never going to be a good thing to happen. So uh, let's hope that all gets resolved, and uh, we don't need that in the game rematch. But it sure adds to the excitement, I'll tell you that much. Uh, no, this was a very good game overall by both teams. Uh, I was kind of surprised, really, to see. Uh, BC being able to run the ball the way they did. James Butler had a big game, two touchdowns, 13 for 83 yards, uh, six and a half yards, roughly a carry. So he had a very good game. Uh, Jake Mayer, same thing as well, 68% completions, 301 yards, had three touchdowns on the game. And Vernon Adams also had a great game. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but 294 yards, 78% accuracy, which again, I know that Derek Taylor was on here earlier and saying that uh, – he doesn't really kind of think of Vernon Adams Jr. as one of those guys that could throw a football very well and without making a lot of turnovers. Uh, you know what? He just proved that he didn't make any of this game. Granted, no touchdowns as well. But when you have a guy like James Butler, it's pretty easy to hand the ball off to him. Overall, I think that the uh, BC Lions, again, I'm going to talk to them about like Winnipeg a little bit. No real sacks on this play against Jake Mayer, which was a little bit impressive Uh uh, of that Calgary offensive line that they kept Jake Mayer standing as well as they did. Uh, and credit again to Malik Henry. He gets his long touchdown like he does every game. Uh, helped a lot of us in fantasy. I know that. So, yeah, no, this was a very interesting game overall going to overtime. Uh, and, again, I hope that uh, I hope that we don't see any of the after-hour uh, shenanigans happen over in uh, BC next week. Mike, what was your thoughts on this one? Yeah, guys, uh, great game between two teams fighting for second and third place. Um, I, I did manage to catch a replay of this game later on. Um, again, hard to know, right? Because BC had two lackluster games and then they, they wind up finding a way to, you know, to pull this one out. Uh, VA looked pretty good. Uh, running back looked pretty good. Uh, finally, I thought that Butler more involved. Um, you know, the, the, this to me is two teams that are 
on a collision course for a playoff game, but only one team is going to win. Uh, they're both good teams and they both deserve to win. Uh, may the best team win. Uh, by the way, that overtime, if I could just touch on that two-point convert, I have no idea what Dave Dickinson was challenging, other than the fact that he was looking for something. Because I saw it initially, and I thought it was pass interference on my phone. I went back and looked at it on the TV, and it's not. It's not no matter what. Um, I understand he's trying to help his team and look for something there, so not that big of a an issue, but I think it goes to show exactly what the standings show right now. There's not much to separate these two teams when they play at a high level, such as they did. It was good defense. Um, it was good defense, good offense. We had some, you know, some touchdown runs, and we had some Hail Marys that went for touchdowns. You, you saw a good old-fashioned CFL team. Uh, in this one, and no arguments from me at all on the quality of this game. I think it was the best game of the week. Granted, there were only two others, and you know, not much to choose from. Uh, I expect this to be a good one this week and coming up again, uh, in BC. And I would dare say the winner of this one, which I'm hoping is Calgary, um, uh, is. You know, they're going to prime themselves into position for second place uh, in in this in the standing. So, yeah, it, it's it's two very very good teams playing a very very good game. Um, Jake Mayer did nothing to lose his job again. He gave his team a chance, and that's all he could ask for. And I I would dare say that unless there's an injury or really, really, really stinky performance. The Boldly by Mitchell area in Calgary is kaput. Done. Um, the only way he gets on the field is an injury. I keep waiting for this guy to falter. I haven't seen it. And you know what? Maybe who knows what happens, right? If they start him earlier in the year. But, you know, to me, franchise quarterback is there in Jake Mayer. Uh, Priority one right now, prior to the playoffs for me, sign him now. Don't let him go to the market. Make your decision right now. I think you've made your decision uh, already, but reinforce it by getting one of them under contract. Uh, ASAP, and I think it should be the diver played behind center, uh, to see might be one of the quote-unquote the next one. I'm just excited to see the BC Lions turn it back around uh, with Vernon Adams Jr. here because I've been the one saying all along that I believe this team is more than just Nathan Rourke, right? I think uh, they have a lot of pieces to this team, and I expect them to still be a competitor for first place in the West. And, yeah, it wasn't pretty. It took them till overtime. Their defense still, I think, has a lot to work on here that uh, we've seen them take a step back in the last couple of weeks. But I saw good things from the Lions here in this one as well. And the big thing for me really was that James Butler got involved. We talk about we talked about our fantasy picks on our Wednesday night preview show. You mentioned possibly taking a chance on James Butler. I thought you were crazy, Adam. I, I've seen Butler start the season off strong and just take a nosedive 
in terms of his fantasy and his on-field production in the past couple of weeks. And uh, especially when, uh, you know, Nathan Rourke has been out, but something changed, something clicked in this game with the offensive game plan for the Lions. They said, yeah, let's give the ball to James Butler more. And he had 83 yards on the ground. He had 18 through the air and he had two touchdowns on the day. So that's a huge bright spot. And that takes a lot of pressure off of Vernon Adams, allows him to make those big plays, allows him to find those open receivers there. So yeah, I like that for BC in this one. Like I said, it wasn't pretty, but they got it done at the end of the day. If they can just shore things up on defense there going forward, if the offense can maintain that consistency. Yeah, this team is in the driver's seat right now for a home playoff game. They've played one less game from Calgary. They're two points up. They have the tiebreaker, I think, at this point. So, uh, you know, the Lions should be well on their way to hosting home playoff games. Certainly win over Calgary this week can uh, can achieve that uh, for them. I mean, not officially, but I think it would pretty much solidify it. And don't I'm going to go back to my take earlier this season. Don't count BC out for first place in the West just yet. They're two games back. Uh, they play two games less than Winnipeg. They have one more loss on the season. They win these next couple, and they play each other twice back-to-back at the end of the season. I think it's still possible. Yeah, it's hard that, you know, Winnipeg's got three more wins. But all of a sudden, BC wins another one against Calgary next week. I'm telling you, BC's going to the top of my power rankings, if that's the case. Because I, I, if they turn this around here, I truly believe in them. Calgary, I don't really have much bad to say on them. I mean, they, they came so close in this, right? It was that one play in overtime. At first glance, I did think it was pass interference on that one after more of a replay. Uh you know, the, okay, yeah, I get the ball is maybe a little bit more out of reach in that one. Uh, but overall, good performance by Jake Mayer. Kadeem Carey, solid rushing average on this one. Malik Henry and Reggie Bagleton are the two top two go-to receivers for this team. Uh, you know, Peyton Logan did a good job in the return game. The defense just needed one more stop, really, I think is all it was here for Calgary. So I'm not doom and gloom on them after this effort. But it's interesting to look at Calgary and say they've beaten every other team. They're undefeated against every other team in the league. They've now lost uh, five football games this year, all to the two teams ahead of them in the standings that they're going to have to play in the playoffs to get to that Grey Cup. So that's mostly what I'm looking at for Calgary here down the stretch is, you know, they play BC next week and they get one foot forward on that one. And then you get into the playoffs, you know, yeah, you haven't beaten either of these teams. You may need to beat them for the first time come November if you're going to go to the dance. So we'll see what that means for Calgary here. But uh, yeah, Jake Mayer, another good performance. Should be a starter going forward, uh, which leads Trey to ask in the chat. Uh, it's to say Saskatchewan might need a quarterback. Adam, would you rather the Riders sign uh, Chris Strevler or Bowie by Mitchell this offseason? Just why? Why do you have to bring that up, Trey? Like, come on. On a side note, it'd be Bo, but no, neither one of them. Come on. We were going to say Jake Mayer because he will not get enough out of Calgary. Nah, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's Cody Fajardo that sticks around, by the way. He's not the problem. It's the offensive line. We've been over this. I'm not going to waste more time on this now. but Yeah, I don't want to go back onto a rant, so let's move on. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, uh, well, let's move on to... Our, uh, I think that does it on these games here. Again, only three games for the week, but uh, we did have some news that's 
not really CFL related, but it's kind of CFL related. Unfortunately, that came out is that, uh, hey, remember Garrett Marino? We haven't talked about him in a little bit. Well, uh, we're going to be watching him play football here again uh, going forward in the USFL. Uh, Adam, what do you think of uh, Marino signing down south here after uh, kind of getting kicked out of the CFL for, you know, his, his play on the field, his conduct off the field? Does it surprise you at all that uh, another league is uh, taking a chance on him? We may have lost Adam. Oh, he's here. No, we lost him. Yeah, Adam Adam was so shook by this news that he just decided to leave the podcast. And uh, we, we'll bring him back here in a second. There he is. He's taking a second. Yeah, you lost me for a thoughts. second there. I hope yeah. I'm back now. Yeah, yeah, you're Except good. Everybody else is still froze. Oh, can you hear us, Adam? No, he can't. Okay. He's really shaken up by this uh, this Garrett Marino news. Uh, he doesn't know how to speak anymore. No, sorry about that, guys. I thought I was frozen. I wasn't, or was I? I guess the Rod Black answer. Or was I? Anyways, uh, nevertheless, uh, I guess that the Shriners or the uh, other various circuses around uh, – around the uh, U.S. probably weren't interested, so that's why he ended up in the USFL. I'm sorry. I'm sick of talking about Garrett Marino. He's gone from the league. He isn't coming back. Even in the offseason, I doubt it now because he's with the USFL. And, again, if you know what the USFL was like this year, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what's good on you, I guess. Uh, what I don't like seeing is, him going on to there and just saying, Hey, look, CFL fans, I'm now over here. Ha ha suckers. Like dude, you got thrown out of a league. One of the longest lasting football leagues in all of North America. And you're going to go and say, ha 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 ha. Well, have fun with that. We'll see how long it lasts for you. Mike. Yeah. You took the words right out of, right out of my mouth. Um, you know what? There's a memo when the commissioner says, "Hey guys, just remember, I have the right to veto any contract that you sign." That's, and that comes out shortly after your one of your preeminent franchises releases a quarter, releases a player that uh, has had discipline issues. Hmm, it's not a coincidence. Uh, yeah, they did get that of a lead, for lack of a better term. Very, very disappointing. Um, I hope the SFL doesn't view this as a, or the USFL, for me, doesn't view this as a uh, publicity stunt. Um, certainly, I'm over it. I was over it long ago. Um, if that's what they feel they need to do, that's their narrative. They're prerogative, but as far as I'm concerned, Garrett Marino is far from the bane of existence of my memory. Uh, the last memory I have is him kicking out our quarterback. You know, whether you argue that was intentional or not is up for debate, but he is no longer in the CFL. I wish him a best of luck. I hope he learns and I hope he's a good football player. The problem is there's a lot of them that can't 
get out of their own way. I think would be a polite way to put it. Uh, I think mean, he could be one of the best DNs in the league. Um, if he played the way he could within the rules. Uh, the problem is he can't follow the rules, so maybe this is a learning experience for him and one of those rebuilding his image. I, I hope I hope I hope he has success. I really do. But I am skeptical whether that will happen. Well, and again, Saskatchewan clearly said we aren't tolerating this anymore. And Saskatchewan's one of those teams that on average Coach Dickinson doesn't like to make change, plain and simple. So for him to go and throw a player like Garrett Marino out halfway through a season and say, we're done with this, it says something. Like Saskatchewan, again, they were known as always bringing in the bad boys of the league once in a while, bringing in some guys with questionable pasts. Is just check out some of our uh, previous signings way back in the day. Saskatchewan always, and CFL, like Trey said, is usually the league to give out the second chance. Well, I mean, nice on the USFL to give him a chance. But again, I think he would have done much better over in a circus applying for a clown job because that stuff over on Facebook was just getting stupid. Well, this is probably the last time we're going to talk about him on this podcast uh, going forward because he's no longer in the CFL. And uh, yeah, it's the USFL's problem now. So... Uh, anyways, let's move on to our uh, talking about our fantasy and betting results from this past week. Uh, I'll pull it up here on the screen and start with our fantasy results in the uh, CFL podcast fantasy league. Uh, Adam Trey, myself, we play in this alongside other CFL podcasters every single week. Adam, you had a big win this week, uh, 90.3 points. You beat Rod from the Wood Cookie Sawcast, uh, improved to 8-6 and six on the season in sixth place. Uh, tell us a little about your team here. How a uh, big week for you. Well, yeah, no, especially considering we had Frankie Hickson on this one and also Winnipeg's defense at negative four. I mean, that was pretty terrible. But And also Mario Alford, who really Edmonton was trying to avoid like he possibly had COVID. So... You know, I think that uh, it was quite amazing uh, that I actually got 90 points again off the uh, strong arm of Jake Mayer. And uh, James Butler gave me a pile of points. Same thing with Malik Henry. Uh, Brendan O'Leary Orange even did well for me over in Winnipeg. Maybe, like I say, I should have maybe avoided picking the Winnipeg defense because, well, (laughs) that wasn't so hot. But no matter. Uh, You know what? I'll take the win over to Cookie Sawcast. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, if I win next week, I'm locked to playoff spot. I believe so as well. Uh, Trey this week put up 67.1 points. Did unfortunately fall just short against Travis from the 2-0 and out CFL podcast. Trey falls to 7-8 and eight on the season. Holding on to that eighth place, that final playoff spot with two weeks to go in the regular season. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., Brady Oliveira, Frankie Hickson, Dalton Schoen had a big game for him. Uh, Keon Hatcher, Janarian Granton. Trey says that Saskatchewan defense killed me. Yeah, the team you didn't let him pick any week all season long until he needed a big win here and uh, fell a bit short for him. But if you would have gone to Winnipeg's defense, Trey, which I know you would have, you had gained six points by going with Saskatchewan there, uh, as sad as it is. Um, For myself this week, tough loss for me. Big matchup for first place with Andrew from the Turf District. I had 83.5. He had something like 98 points. And uh, 
I had a huge tall task going to the final game. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I did fall in this one 11 and three on the season. Ooh, second place. First time I haven't been at the top in a while. Technically shared for first, but he's got a couple more points on the season. I went with Vernon Adams Jr., Frankie Hickson, Kevin Brown, Nick Dembski, Dylan Mitchell, Malik Henry, and that uh, aforementioned Bombers defense. Uh, wish I would have fit Taylor Cornelius in there as I originally had planned, but uh, oh well. Uh, one spot I did have Taylor Cornelius is in our uh, Canadian Football Countdown season-long fantasy league. Uh, where uh, every week we set our rosters based on the team we drafted preseason. We make our moves throughout the year. Uh, Mike, you had the top score on the week at 96.3 points. Uh, Caleros, Oliveira, Schoen, Rhymes, Henry, Legio, and the Stampeders defense. What do you make of your team's performance this week? Muted. Sorry about that. I was very, very worried uh, about my team. I, I'm actually pleasantly surprised I had the highest score considering uh, all of the roster surgery that I might have to do or not do this week. Uh, it's a nice booster. Uh, for myself, I had Taylor Cornelius, uh, Kevin Brown, Tim White, uh, Curly Gittins Jr., Dylan Mitchell, uh, Rene Paradis in the BC defense at uh, a total of 93.3 points. So confident in my team that I took a zero at wide receiver and put in on a, a guy on a bye. Did not make a trade with Adam because I, I didn't think I needed that roster spot and I approved it this week. Uh, Trey had 64.6 points. Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., Ante Milanovic-Litre, Jalen Philpot, Nick Dembski, Reggie Bagleton. Sergio Castillo and the Bombers defense for him. Adam, 33.7 for you. Tommy Stevens, you were stuck with him as your quarterback this week due to some bye weeks. Uh, Frankie Hickson, Keon Schaefer-Baker, Mario Alford, uh, Lucky Whitehead, Brett Lauder, and that Riders defense for you. Uh, tell us a little bit about your team this week. I am certainly tanking right now and trying to get myself uh, uh, Kevin Rourke, I believe his name is. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to get him yet or not. Uh, but it looks the things Trey's trying just as hard to get the uh, second work twin. So, you know, there's that. No, honestly, it was just a bad week. I had to take uh, Tommy Stevens because I couldn't grab anybody else, to be honest with you. Uh, this week, I'm probably going to look at getting rid of him on my lineup and adding another quarterback to be named later. Uh, we'll try maybe somebody else in a little bit. Frankie Hickson again had a bad week. Keon Schaefer Baker is invisible. Amari Alford didn't get the ball kicked to him. Uh, Brett Lowther nailed one off the upright. Saskatchewan's defense looked terrible. And Lucky Whitehead, eh. <laughs> uh, overall totals on the season, I have fixed it up, Trey. Yes, sorry for the typo earlier on that had you at around 65 points on the year only. Uh, no, I, I fixed it up, uh, but overall totals on the year, I'm at 1443.5 in first, Mike's in second at 1278.7, Adam's in third at 1084.3, and Trey uh, just behind at 1039.3, so we'll see uh, We'll see what moves get made this week. Three more teams on a bye. I have a feeling Winnipeg and Saskatchewan on a bye are going to be troublesome for all of you who have loaded up on those two teams. As somebody who has all of his wide receivers from the East Division, should be a good week. Uh, 
<laughs> perhaps I'll uh, get more trade offers my way this week. But uh, yeah, those are the fantasy well, results. Ryan is chatting before they hatch. I love it. Oh yeah, no, I, I I might just trade away, start trading away guys for draft picks at this point because you're not catching me regardless of who I feel. <laughs> just why? Hey, I'm open memo to the other two died. Does somebody want to help me catch them? You guys tried that earlier in the season. I've increased I, the hey, dude, I gave I gave away Malik Henry. I've given away how many good players over the last how many dark weeks? I mean, I can't do much more to help you guys uh, beat Ryan. I'd like to thank the the drafting department and the scouting department have done wonders for this team. Everything's going Edmonton well, ups down the stretch, baby. Considering you had the MOP until he got hurt, I'm not surprised. On a side and, note, I'm also uh, not taking any more advice from an orange lion. I'm going to go and start <laughs> taking advice, I think, from a, uh, a yellow tiger. I think that's probably a better bet. I Actually, no. I took from a yellow tiger already. I need to take one from an uh, from an old Roman centurion kind of looking guy. So I'm going to go with that. You sure you don't want to double down on the the the, the, the tie cats mascot here? They had a big game, Adam. That could be your key. Ah, you know what? But it's only one game. I think that centurion will do me a lot more better. Anyways, moving on to our uh, Week 15 betting results here, powered by Betstamp. Uh, you can track our picks all season long. Uh, on the BetStamp app, uh, betstamp.app slash u slash CF Countdown pod if you want to see those. And uh, BetStamp is a free app that helps you find the best odds across many different sports books. Sign, uh, visit betstamp, betstamp.app today and sign up with code CFC to get started. Uh, see the best odds, make your picks, track your picks, all of that fun stuff. Uh, we did our picks against the spread this past week and uh, Trey had the best week out of Trey, Adam, and myself on our preview show with a two and one record. He had Edmonton at plus eight, BC at plus six and a half, and uh, Winnipeg at minus seven and a half. A two and one week for Trey, a 34 24 record on the season, well in first place there. For myself, I had Edmonton at plus eight, but I did take the Bombers at minus seven and a half, and I took Calgary at minus six and a half. So one and two for me, 31 and 27 on the season uh adam oh and three week this week this was a rough uh, man how we we're not even kidding when we say this was a rough week in a football for you is senior hockey here yet <laughs> oh and three week 29 and 29 on the season you're still at 500 so uh you got stay above it this week hopefully with a couple good picks uh we've got our consensus picks also across the three of us for the week Again, Edmonton plus eight was the only one we got right, but uh, thanks to myself and Adam, uh, we got the Calgary game wrong, and all three of us got the Winnipeg game wrong there. So one and two consensus picks. It uh, should say week 15 there on the slide. Uh, and overall, 15 and 14 on the season since we started tracking on BetStamp. So those are our results for the week. And yes, Trey, the best result again this week, and uh, so he, he himself says, long live the king. So uh, very fitting on this uh, particular Monday. Humbling and just absolutely the classy, humble guy that Trey is. Well, let's uh, let's give out some players of the week this week, guys, and let's start off with uh, you, Adam. Who's your player of the week? 
So I'm going to have to give two to Edmonton this week because, you know, they absolutely made my riders look pretty much like a junior team. Anyway, I'm going to go with the uh, honorable mention real quick here is to the Edmonton Elks defense. Uh, eight sacks over on uh, uh, Cody Fajardo, which back in the day, I don't know about that. Uh, but nowadays it doesn't look like the Saskatchewan's offensive line is very good, and I won't go back on another rant on that. Instead, I'll go and say my player of the week, who's Taylor Cornelius, uh, 13 for 24. Didn't have a lot of passes in all honesty, but 237 yards, touchdown, and of course used his feet and got another one with that. 93 rushing yards, just overall had an amazing week. Uh, yeah, no, Taylor Cornelius is my player of the week. Mike, who's yours? Yeah. My play of the week this week is Dane Evans. He's 25 of 32, 78.1% completion percentage. I'm a little bit tongue-tied. 327 yards, five touchdowns, and 19 rush yards. Speaks for itself. Uh, why I picked him player of the week is he shredded the bomber defense. Well, I'm going to stick here with the Ticats with you, Mike. I'm going to go Tim White as my player of the week. Six catches, nine targets, 63 yards, and two touchdowns. We're talking about a guy, I believe this is his second year in the league. Uh, certainly second year in a prominent role. He's currently sixth in receiving yards, and he was last season. Uh, he finished at that. That's pretty good. Your first two years in the league, top six, top seven, whatever, in receiving yards. Yeah, Tim White is an integral part of this offense, and a big part of Dane Evans' big day was from Tim White. My honorable mention goes to Kevin Brown in that run game for the Elks. I thought he's looked really, really good uh, in this one. I had over 100 yards, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. So uh, he gets my honorable mention of the week. Uh, Trey is giving his to a running back, though. Trey's keys of the game involved was running the ball, and that's what led to BC getting the win this week with James Butler having 13 carries, 83 yards, two touchdowns. Also had four catches on four targets for 18 yards as well. And it wouldn't be our players of the week or our power rankings if somebody didn't try to go off the board with an honorable mention of some kind. So uh, Trey would like to also give his players of the week to uh, Jalen Waddle of uh, the Miami Dolphins for uh, adding 40.1 points to his fantasy team in NFL fantasy, as well as Stefan Diggs, uh, who's put up 35 points through two and a half quarters. So, uh, Canadian that... football countdown, Trey. Uh, yes, the excitement of NFL fantasy is back as well. Uh, wild weekend in the NFL once again also. Uh, let's talk uh, power rankings for this week. Uh, again, you can you can see I, I did not have a ton of time today and was rushing to get these slides done at the last second. This should say fit week 15. Uh, apologies for all of that. Um, but my uh, power rankings, I've got Winnipeg begrudgingly at number one. I really want to put BC higher, but the Bombers still have the better record, so I'll give it to them for now, I guess. Uh, but I've got BC at two. Toronto I still put at three just because I think they'll win the division. Also, they were on a bye week, so I didn't want to drop them down. I think Calgary's got a tall task with Winnipeg and BC in the playoffs. But I do have Calgary at number four. I got Montreal at number five. Uh, they were on a bye week this week as well. Hamilton jumps up to six for me. I thought they looked good, and Dane Evans could use this as a rallying point. I think it's huge for his confidence. I got Ottawa at seven. They're on a bye week. Edmonton, uh, sorry, Saskatchewan's at eight. 
because, uh, yeah, it didn't look good. Tough loss to Edmonton this week, but I think they're still obviously in a better playoff position and a better chance at going deep here. So I'll give it to the Riders at number eight. Then Edmonton, yeah, good win. I like a lot of what I've seen for them. But in terms of rankings for this year, their playoff shot is the worst out of anybody uh, in the league. So that's my power rankings for this week. Uh, Mike, how about you? Winnipeg, BC, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, Hamilton, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, Edmonton. Uh, Order pretty much uh, self-explanatory. Toronto don't really, can't really justify moving them into the top three. Granted, the Calgary's losses are only against teams that are above them uh, in the uh, power rankings, at least in my version. Uh, number six for Hamilton might be a little bit generous. I was rolling between five and six. But overall chat record, uh, Montreal is ahead of uh, Hamilton. Uh, and then the bottom is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, pretty well close to flipping number eight and nine, but not quite. Bombers grip on first of my power rankings. is tight, but getting a little bit looser. I want to see what they can do. Uh, coming out of the bye week. Adam, let's have a look at your power rankings. Well, they're a doozy, I'll tell you that much. Uh, first things first, yeah, I'm the same way with Ryan. I'm thinking Winnipeg is uh, pretty shaky. It's starting to get a little shakier up there at number one. I don't know if they'll fall this week or next week. Probably not this week because they're on a bye, but they could fall pretty soon if they keep playing like that in the first half. Uh, Calgary, I just think right now they're still a little more complete of a team than BC. I want to see Vernon Adams win two games in a row. Then I got to go and move BC up to number two. Uh, Toronto is probably the best team in the East. There's no question on that. Uh, much except unless I ask Gary Stern, who's his team is at number five. Uh, Ottawa, number six. I think they're still a little bit better of a team than Hamilton. I just don't have, uh, I hope that this was a beginning of a turnaround though. For the Thai Cats, who last week, if you remember, were number 10. Uh, this week, I think they are starting to maybe show some improvement. They beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, hey, they got to go up to number seven. Number eight, the Edmonton Elks. Of course, they start starting to maybe get some pillars in there for next year. I don't think they're probably as uh, – they're never going to make a playoff spot this year. But they're showing signs that maybe next year it's going to be a different team. Number nine, I got to give a special shout-out to the Regina Thunder, who not only beat the Saskatchewan – the Saskatoon, I should say, Hilltops. Once they beat them twice, uh, over in football week uh, weekend in Saskatchewan, they beat them, I think, twenty-eight to seven, if I'm not mistaken. You don't go in and beat the Hilltops twice, and the Hilltops right now, on a side note, are two and three, which is extremely rare for the CJFL team like that. So you know what? Very good to the Regina Thunder. Yeah, are undefeated so far in the season, and number ten. It hurt me just as much as I hurt Ryder Nation to do it. But we got to be honest. The Riders are not a very good team right now, and they are going to sit at the bottom of the power rankings until they win a game. And you know what? We've got Winnipeg and then Hamilton and then Calgary twice. They might be at the bottom of the power rankings by the time this game, uh, by the time this season ends. Who knows? The confidence is completely shot here. Uh, Ryan, let's just go through Trey's. Yeah, Trey's got Winnipeg at one, BC at two, Calgary at three. So he's agreeing with Mike there. Toronto, 
at four, Montreal at five, Hamilton at six, Ottawa at seven. So still in lockstep with you there, Mike. But uh, Edmonton at eight and Saskatchewan at nine and did say he feels bad putting Saskatchewan at number nine, but uh, felt better when he saw that Adam put them at number 10 on his rankings. Uh, you can ask Trey on Twitter, at Trey MB Harness, if you want more insight into his power rankings, his player of the week, or anything from this week. Uh, that pretty much does it for this episode of the podcast. As we get to wrapping things up, let's take a look at what's coming up next year. A uh, bit of a programming note. I mentioned this last Wednesday, but uh, my schedule's uh, changing a little bit here for the next couple of weeks. So I'm unfortunately going to be unavailable Monday and Wednesday nights, which means, Adam, I'm turning the keys over to you and Trey Wednesday night for the Week 16 preview show, Wednesday, September 21st, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Adjust to your other time zones accordingly. Uh, Trey and Adam will go through uh, the storylines. They'll go through the CFL fantasy options. Uh, no no fantasy charts unless you guys come up with your own, uh, but they'll still have some good insight for you. And, of course, make the picks against the spread here as well. Uh, so that is Wednesday night. Uh, Adam gets the keys then, Trey gets the keys then, and then the following Monday, Mike, the keys go over to you as you host our weekly recap, uh, where uh, we'll do the same things we did tonight, uh, discuss each of the games, give players the league update, power rankings, and more, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan on Monday for that one as well. You can catch all of these shows, ever, all of our shows, all season long. Uh, over on a variety of platforms live every week. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at watch.gametimetv.ca or by following on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash gametimetvmv. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us uh, over on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well, at CF Pod Network on Twitter. Uh, guys, uh, well, Adam, you're getting the keys next. So uh, where can people find you on social media and everything you've got going on? Well, first things first, Ryan, I just want to know, uh, not not that we'll need it, but where's the fire extinguisher around that uh, car? We uh, we might need it after Wednesday night. Anyway, uh, yeah, you can find me at Adam Stewart one uh, over on Twitter. Again, farming season is going on. Well, not so much right now because we've gotten some rain. Hopefully that we get going here uh, a couple days. I would hope maybe we get to start again. Uh, and you can find more stuff uh, that what I'm up to over at Farmer in Ask over on social media as well. If you want to follow me there on Instagram or on YouTube, if you're really that bored, you can check that out. I'll tell you right now, Twitter fans uh, that follow me for uh, more sports, if you're a senior hockey fan in Saskatchewan, make sure you're following me. I guess also in Manitoba as well now. Uh, will definitely be a lot of senior hockey talk coming up pretty soon. Uh, again, after Saskatchewan gets thrown out of the playoffs, it's usually winter and Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan. That's about all we have. So senior hockey is definitely going to be one of the things I'll be talking about soon. Mike, where can guys find you? Well, guys, the week is finally here for Game Time TV's first junior hockey game on TV. And this week on Thursday night, our venue will be announced tomorrow. Now, that's weird. Uh, I teased the game without the venue. Um, 
There are some logistical challenges behind that, but we will have hockey on Game Time TV this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, appreciate the support and everything that has been going on there. You can find me at Twitter on on Twitter at Mike Gale. For some reason, I can't talk. I'm tongue-tied today. Uh, might be a sign of things to come. Who knows? Uh, or it might just be too late, and it's time for me to hand it over to Ryan. That might be the smarter plan. So then you can find me on social media at Mike Darrow or on the Game Time TV platforms uh, as well. And we hope to catch everybody on, well, Wednesday night for this show, uh, Thursday night for stuff on Game Time. Right on. You can, as mentioned earlier, you can find Trey on Twitter at Trey MB Harness. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Cooper Trooper 42 starts with a K. Again, you won't get my CFL takes here on the podcast the next couple of weeks. I will be back after that. I'm not leaving forever. It's just a tough schedule the next couple of weeks to fit things in for me, but uh, I will uh, be able to uh, give out uh, talk CFL, CFL fantasy, anything like that on Twitter. You want to chat any of that get my uh insights on things there and i'll try to send in my picks still my uh fantasy options and my picks against the spread for you guys here also uh for the previews but i know the crew is going to do a wonderful job while i am elsewhere tied up for the next few weeks and i appreciate all of you as part of the podcast i appreciate everybody joining us and listening and watching whether it's live or after the fact as well uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. And on behalf of our panel here this evening, Mike, Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.